We are still in the middle of a series called Growing Pains. We got these on your seat. If you've never seen this before, uh, find one close to you and pick it up. Um, these, this is a series we did a few years ago. And even when we did it, we realized, you know, well, we're probably going to come back to this every couple of few years because of the importance of, of, of what we're talking about in terms of just, you know, us as believers growing in our faith. And this is what this message series is for. It's for believers, followers of Jesus, growing in your faith. If you would not consider yourself that, we are still glad you're here or watching. Uh, maybe as we talk about things, it might explain to you what you see. It might explain to you uh, some of the things that might have put you off from the, from, from the Christian faith. But we want to talk about why that is. And we want to talk about the, the, re- the reality of what God has in store and really purposed for God's children when it comes to watching them grow and take steps uh, of growth. Here's our theme verse from the writer of Hebrews. He says, there's much more that I would like to say about this, because he's talking about the return of Jesus. He's talking to the, to the church of God, uh, trying to get them excited about continuing to follow in the faith. He says, I want to be able to explain this, uh, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. So this is not a compliment, right? Yeah, this is, that's what he's saying. Uh, you've been believers for so long that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's words. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. Someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what's right. He continues on to say solid food is for those who are mature, who through training, through practice, have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. And we've talked about the stages, and the reality is, is that we are designed to grow. This is where we, where we talked about it the first week. I'd encourage you to go back. We walked through every single one of these stages, but we are designed to grow. And everybody's going to grow through these stages spiritual, spiritually different than someone else. Um, you can't bypass any stages, right? And age, it's, it's not appropriate in terms of your physical age to your spiritual age. Because I don't know when you came to Christ. I don't know when you began to take your faith seriously. And I don't really know when you began to follow Jesus in that way. We are designed to grow. Just as we are physically, we are spiritually. And we wanted to make sure that we started off in the first week helping you understand this is not a series to like beat you up and condemn you, right? To beat you up and condemn you. Um, we want to make sure you know where you're at. We want you to self-identify. Like, I didn't do a test ahead of time. You're not getting a letter in the mail from me saying, dear child, you know, dear infant. You know, like, that's not, we're not identifying it for you. We want you to self-identify, all right? And not to feel condemnation or guilt because it's okay, right? Go to the next slide. It's okay. I don't know where you're at. Go to the next slide. It's okay to be that way. Um, we, we skipped a few slides. Go back. Nope. 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 You're going forward, not backwards. There we go. Oh, the the, the one slide's not in there. Well, we know who to blame on that. Chris isn't here. We'll just blame Chris. Okay. Uh, we We always blame who's not here. We're glad Donnie's back from vacation. He would have got blamed as well. All right, I'll make the statement since it's not up there. We wanted to make sure you knew that it is okay to be where you are, okay? It's okay to be where you are. It is not okay to stay that way. 
right? It's not okay to stay that way. And we specifically put this week in here to talk about making sure you do not stay, you do not get stuck in any one particular spiritual stage. All right, do you have the healthy church slide? Do you have the healthy church slide? I don't know if you have that one or not. If not, I'll, I'll go on to, to, to share what we talked about last week. No, keep going. Yeah, just stay there. All right. I, for, some, for some reason, there's two or three slides not there. Last week, I want to make sure I hit this. Last week, we talked specifically about what a healthy church looks like when it talks about these stages, right? These stages of growth kind of coming together as a church. Because as a church, we are called, we're the one institution that is called to be sort of multi-doctrinal, multi-cultural, you know, uh, uh, multi-ethnic, uh, multi-generational, not just in our ages in terms of a body, but spiritual stages and ages as well. And in that, we have to be bound together. And most of the time, uh, again, people that struggle with Christianity, they see Christianity in usually one or two of these groups. They see the infant, toddler, childish faith of people, you know, like the infant, toddler, child of faith, which is a lot of one-line bumper sticker kind of faith, and, 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 and they know, they know that that faith does not stand up to the, to the weight of life's problems that they are dealing with. So they don't like that faith. Or they see the teenager, kind of spiritual teenager, constantly testing grace, constantly living like the world, constantly sort of pushing those boundaries in their walk in relationship with God. Or the young adult, the spiritual young adult, who's really, quite frankly, more self-righteous than they are anything else. So people see this, and they see this, and they go, you know what, this is not, this is not the faith that I, that I you know, I, I don't want anything to do with this. It reminds me of my parents' church. It reminds me of sort of cultural Christianity. The reality is, is that we were supposed to be together, is that the, the purpose of these, these stages, if you will, is that adults, maturing adults, are to help lead the way, lead the charge, if you will, of unifying and bringing together these multi-stage generational uh, Christians for all of us. Because we, you know, we want to value the child and the toddler and the infant, and we want to value the teenager and the young adult and the adult. We want to value all those places where God has you. But we can't allow those things to divide us. We have to be united, and we can only be united around one thing, right? We read it last week. One faith, one baptism, one Lord of all, one God who's in all, working through all. It's one thing, and it's Jesus Christ. That's what unites us, all right? So the goal, go back to the goal. I don't know if this one's up there or not, the, uh, just the one that's the adult, uh, adult line on this. I don't know if that's up there either. There is, a, if, you, if you have your sheet in front of you, there is an adult line. And, and the reason I wanted to just highlight this was because this is always the goal, all right? Oh, yeah, there it is. It's always the goal, right? It's always the thing we're shooting for. And as I said last week, it's not because you can like achieve it and then be done. Okay, this is like a, you're constantly growing as an adult. A 20-year-old is continuing to grow in wisdom and maturity to you know, a 40-year-old. A 40-year-old is still continuing to grow into a 60-year-old. Like That's just part of it. And it's the same spiritually as well. But you do achieve, if you will, or at least settle into some of the healthier ways in which it can look. Where you are, how you learn and feed is you're independent and balanced. I mean, you're able to take in a lot of information and be able to work through your salvation, work through what's true, what's work through what's not, work through your own convictions. 
You have informed humility, meaning that you understand why you believe what you believe, but it's in a humble way. You're not self-righteous. You're not judging others. You want to walk with people. You want to guide with people. You want to walk with people in their stage and help them grow. The same with healthy practicing in terms of how they live out their faith, in terms of how they express uh, the spiritual disciplines we're going to talk a little bit about today. That's the goal. This is always going to be the goal is sort of this adult maturing thing. Now, there's a couple things that can happen. One is you can get stuck, and that's why we went to this like this specific day of like, well, what if I'm stuck, right? What if I'm stuck in a stage? I'm not growing at all. I haven't felt like I've been growing forever, you know? We can also regress. I know it sounds kind of weird, but do you know any adults that act like children sometimes? No? Is it just me? Okay. So adults, you know how adults can act like children, right? Well, that's the same. That could be true of spiritual growth as well. You can regress. But the reality is, is that sometimes, most of the time, if we're just not, it's just not intentionally living our lives the way God wants us to live and not continuing to do the things that, that receive from God and cultivate in our heart and practice. Like if we're not doing those things. We're going to stall out. We're going to just kind of stay stagnant. We're going to get stuck. We're going to kind of resign ourselves to be really content with where we are spiritually. And this is a sad place for the American church. It's a sad place for the Western church to see so many Christians, they have not matured in their faith, and yet they are done for a lot of different reasons. So today I want to talk a little bit about why that's the case and how it is we can work through it. Let me just give you the big picture. The big reason we get stuck in these stages is because of sin. Okay, because we're in broken bodies, like, like, like it's because of sin. Paul says it this way. I love Paul's, you know, kind of working through it in the, in the book of Romans. Um, he, he kind of talks about sin in this way in terms of how it affects him. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Go to verse 18. For I know that good it's God, or sorry, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I don't want to do, this I keep on doing. Right? He gets done kind of walking us through why that's the case in terms of sin. And he says specifically, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is, what's the word out loud? Two names. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Thank God. What can save me from this? Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the reason I wanted to start with this passage is because I'm going to try to walk us through some really clear practical steps today, okay? I'm talking like super clear, super practical things you can, you know, handles you can grab, things you can begin to do today to get unstuck, okay? But I, I, I always got to be careful. I do not want you to look at this as sort of a self-help sermon. It's not like a, you know, do this and do that and formulaic Christianity. No, we believe ultimately the reason that we get stuck, the reason we regress, the reason we struggle is because of sin, our battle with sin. Now, we know we are victorious, right? Jesus wins, but we know, we know we're going to continue to battle. And through that battle, we are going to continue to work to growing in our faith, right? We're going to take steps because there are steps to take, but it's not because we can earn it. It's because Jesus Christ gives us the ability and the strength and the power through the Holy Spirit to do what he's called us to do. Everybody with me? Yeah, all right. Let's go through a couple of these how to, be, how to get unstuck. 
I won't spend too much time here, but this is, because this is going to be over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about spiritual disciplines, all right? Spiritual disciplines are just kind of a big phrase in terms of the words we've been seeing, training, practice, putting into practice. You know, spiritual disciplines are sort of the commands and the tools that God has given us um, to receive, this is the way I break it down, to receive from Him, to cultivate our heart, to cultivate our attitude and our spirit, and to put into practice what He's called us to do. So this is just the benefit, okay, with me. The benefit of spiritual disciplines is to, is to receive from God, to be in, you can cultivate us, you know, think about like somebody with a soil, right, to cultivate it, and to put into practice what he's called us to do, to put those seeds into practice and to watch them grow, right? We talked about this at the very beginning of 2021. Pastor Don and I did a, a series called Zeal. And I walked you through the spiritual growth, uh, spiritual disciplines then, talking about how that is part of the, again, the cultivating work of God through the Holy Spirit to bring that passion into our hearts when we're feeling dry. Here's another great verse in terms of the challenge for us. This is Paul writing again to the church in Romans. He says, therefore, because of all that he had said before, I'm going to urge you, brothers and sisters, to view, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies. To, this is a full sacrifice thing. As living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship, right? It's not just singing songs. As Shin said to say, it's our soul. It's bringing it back to God. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't let yourself be molded to the pattern and the mold of this world, but be transformed, right? Be changed, By the renewing of your mind, by changing the way you think, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. What does God want me to do? What does God want from me? What is God God looking for? Well, if you want to know those things, you have to kind of work through the transformation process and allow yourselves to be transformed by him, by surrendering your life as a living sacrifice, letting him begin to change the way you think. And you can do a lot of this, guys, a lot of this through spiritual disciplines. I'm going to give you some just key ones here as a quick list. All right, you can take a picture, you can write it down. If this were a Facebook quiz, you know, give yourself one point for something you do every day, most of us would struggle, okay, in terms of this. I'm just telling you, because it's one of those things where it's like all of these things should be in place. They should all be a natural exercise of your faith. And yet many, many people struggle to do hardly even just a couple of them. And yet these are the tools that God gave us. This is what he gave us to receive from him, to cultivate our heart and our spirit, to put it into practice. Okay, reading and hearing of the, of the word of God. If you're not a reader, I understand, like, part of it is you need to read, but think about the Old Testament. Think about the, the city would come together and hear the Word of God spoken over the city. You know, sometimes I'm in my car and I get my Bible app out on my phone and, and I just listen. I just listen to the Word of God spoken over me. Now, there's, there's a lot of value in reading and taking notes and, and doing that, so I don't want to discount that, but I'm just saying that you know, some of you may be more audible in terms of how you listen and how you learn. So don't take away the idea of being able to listen and read the Word of God, gathering in worship, Sabbath rest, incredibly important. We've done an entire series on this. Sharing your faith with others, right? Sharing. We're talking about leading brings hope. Leading other people to Jesus. Spiritual gifts. Using and serving your spiritual gifts because serving brings purpose. Biblical teaching, prayer, and fasting, okay? 
Your prayers at this point, your life may simply be dinner and bedtime, okay? But, but there's a whole lot more to prayer. And fasting, try to fast more than 48 hours without prayer, right? Like it's, 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 it's not for your health reasons that you do this. Meditation, stewardship, giving, and discipleship and mentoring. Now, I, I put these up there just to say these are the things that sort of, again, receive from God, cultivate, and help us kind of take steps in growth. And again, we're going to talk more about this even next week as Pastor Don shares about moving from stage to stage and just kind of like what God wants to do in that. But let me just share this with you. Okay, and, and I, again, this is today is more of the step by step thing, but it is also filled with incredible challenges. All right, our engagement with spiritual disciplines is one hundred percent driven by our dependency on Jesus. Okay, like our dependency on Him really does kind of drive how we're going to engage, and if we engage at all in these spiritual disciplines. Okay? If, if you're living life your way and you're managing things in your own strength and you're navigating choices in your own wisdom, why do you need Jesus? You don't. Now, of course, I'm a pastor. I have to tell you that you do need Jesus, right? You do need Jesus. But let's just be honest. You can choose to live a life of zero significance where you're busy all the time and you accomplish nothing. You can choose to live that life. You can choose to live a life where day in and day out, you do not need to lean heavily on the Holy Spirit's power in your life. You can convince yourself of that. And you can choose to live that life. And if that's what you're choosing, guys, why in the world would you even think you're going to get unstuck? You're going to remain stuck. You're going to remain at whatever stage you are because you've decided that's all you need. But let me tell you something. You start working through some of these disciplines, one of the things that's really great about it is you start working through some of these keystone disciplines, oh, your dependency gets quick, okay? Start tithing 10%, okay? Matter of fact, you've already been doing that. Why don't you double your tithe? Tell me how much you need Jesus in your life, okay? Tell me the dependency level that it would rise to in your faith. Think about your top five. Think about the people in the circle of your accountability that you've said you've been praying for and you've been hoping they'll, they'll kind of come to, come to light and come to faith in Jesus. You want you make a commitment that this week you're going to introduce a conversation where you're going to share your faith in Jesus with them. Oh, you'll start praying really quick, right? Your dependency goes up significantly. Start putting yourself in situations where you have to use your spiritual gifts to serve other people and to put their needs ahead of yours. I can promise you your dependency on Christ goes up. So there are even ways in which you can trigger some of these spiritual disciplines. Begin to read, hey, read the Word of God, jump into Revelations. Oh, you need Jesus, right? Don't we, Dan? We need Jesus to understand Revelation. Okay? I'm just, I'm just saying that there are, there's, a, there's an aspect of this that can be a little bit of a litmus test. You're not engaged in spiritual disciplines because you are not living a life that is dependent on your faith at all. But you can also take steps in these spiritual disciplines that can trigger, that can help you grow, 
in your full out dependency on him. Now, one thing I tell people when it comes to especially spiritual disciplines, if you'll notice with the exception of like corporate worship and things like that, the majority of these things are personal. They're yours. They're something you have to do, right? So I tell people sometimes, um, nope, that's not it. I'm missing a lot of slides today for some reason. All right. Uh, no, I'm not. You're right. I'm not. Way to go, Tony. Good thumbs up, buddy. It's the next, it's the next one. It's all right. I'm going to keep going. How to get unstuck, number two, all right? We listen. We don't easily forget. And this is a big deal. Got to listen. We can't easily forget. Here's the, the message paraphrase of that uh, a verse we had in our terms of our, our key verse. I have a lot more to say about these things, but it's hard to get across to you since you've had picked up this bad habit of not listening. Can, can, can you hear something but not listen? Right? Wives, ask the husbands in the room. Yes. Parents, ask your children. Right? Can, you, can, you, can words be spoken but you're not listening? Yeah, it's called a bad habit of not listening. And this is what the author is saying in Hebrews, that sometimes we're, we either become so accustomed or for whatever reason we just kind of shield out sort of the commands of God, we shield out sort of the, the, the lessons that God and the voice of the Spirit in our life, that, 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 that there is talking, there is, there is speaking happening, but we're not listening. It's a bad practice. It's a bad habit of not listening, and it keeps us stuck, Right? This is the verse I read last week in terms of adults, but, but you got to remember, this is Deuteronomy in terms of talking to the elders. He says, I want you to watch out and be careful never to, what's the word? Read it out loud. Yeah. Never to forget what you yourselves have seen. Do not let these memories escape your mind as long as you live, and be sure to pass them on to your children and grandchildren. You're supposed to pass it on. You're not supposed to let yourself forget what you've seen God do in your life, right? That's part of this. this one of the reasons you get stuck is it so quickly happens. Either A, you don't recognize it, or B, you recognize it momentarily and then you so easily forget how he stepped in, how he intervened, how he calmed your spirit, how he worked this through, how he continued to, step, to be with you step by step through that crisis. Like We just continue to forget that's why it's in there. Don't forget. There's the command. Be sure to pass it on. I'll give you a quick story. About five years ago when I had a little issue with my heart, um, I was in the hospital and they weren't sure what caused it. And so they were telling my wife and I, like, you need to have a, uh, I won't remember the term, uh, but it's, they stuck a camera and a thing up my arm all the way up, and, and, they, and they showed it on the screen, okay? So it was like they shot ink through it, and they had a camera in there. It was really cool. I'm just going to throw it out there, okay? So I get in, listen, I've not had a ton of medical stuff. Um, so I get in there. This is my first kind of operating experience, operating room, and I am fascinated by the whole thing. I'm in there just fascinated. They're telling me what they're going to do, and I'm like, this is going to be great. Like, I didn't, again, I didn't know what the problem was, but they were going to, they really insisted that I needed to do this in order to make sure there wasn't any bigger problems. I said, okay, let's do it. So they, they do this work. Well, they start to, you know, they start to shoot me with stuff, right? They start giving me stuff, and I'm telling them, I said, are you going to put me out? And they said, no, we don't put you out. We give you this thing I don't remember what it was called, but they called it something and they said, yeah, it kind of causes people to sometimes forget, you know, sometimes not remember. 
And I immediately said, but I want to remember. And they were like, well, just, I mean, sometimes it has that effect. And I continued to say, but I don't want to forget. But I want to remember. So one nurse tells me, one nurse, well, I've, I've been told that if you kind of, um, kind of share the story, repeat it, and the, there's ways in which you can kind of force yourself to remember. Wrong thing to say to me, okay? All I can tell you is I started repeating things in the operating room when they would say it, almost like as if I needed clarity, right? But I was actually doing it to stay awake and to stay alert and to try to remember. Oh, look at that. Oh, is that, is that good? The ink went through my heart. Wow, look at that. Is, that. is that good? Oh, that's good. And he shows, he like looks at my arteries and veins. He's like, woo, you could drive a truck through there. And I was like, woo, you could drive a truck through there. All right. I'm just telling you, I repeated this over and over and over again. Little did I know, my wife is down the hall in a conference with the, with the surgeon, and she can hear me in the OR. I don't know that. They roll me out to the hallway. Well, Mr. Dawson, your wife is here, and she's just finishing up with the doctor. Tracy walks out of the room, and I'm like, Tracy, guess what? You wouldn't believe it. They did it. They lost seven TVs in my heart, and they shot the thing and threw the thing, and they, you could drive a truck through there. And, all and my wife's just like, I, I heard you. All of Charlotte has heard you. Like, you know. But, I, but honestly, I remember everything about that moment to this day, right? Like, there really was something that I was like, I had to constantly say it. I constantly repeated it. I said it over and over again. And all of those phrases, regardless of whatever drugs they gave me, they just stuck with me. So I got to remember that experience. It was amazing. And this is where, I'm kind of throwing this out, where I wanted to say earlier, this is kind of a, there, there's a lot about this that's an individual effort, that's an individual kind of charge. But, but personally, right, we're going to be responsible for our own growth. Like, like hear me say that it's no one else's fault that you're not growing spiritually. It's not the church's fault. It's not your family's fault. It's not other Christians' fault. It's not their fault. You are personally responsible. I can promise you this. God is not going to come to me and say, you know what? Chris just wasn't learning very much. He just wasn't, he just wasn't doing, he wasn't growing. You know, he's not going to come to me. It's, it's, it's Chris's responsibility. It's personal. But growth is fueled by community right? Growth is fueled because God made it that way. He made it to be, again, this multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-denominational, everything kind of coming together of the capital C church where the body of Christ doing its parts helps the body grow. So it's fueled by community. This is why I tell people all the time, like, when it comes to groups at our church, and I'm so thankful that groups are starting back up this summer and lots of people are going to start gathering again in homes, which I'm so grateful for this season to kind of be passed and to step back into that. But guys, why is that important? Because listen, I need to hear your story. People need to hear what God has done in your life. People need to know the small to significant experiences you've had. That's one of the reasons community fuels our growth. It fuels our relationship with God because it was designed to do that. We're not supposed to forget. We're supposed to be listening. And when we listen and when we have those experiences, to be able to share those with others, share those with the body of Christ. That's why it's so important. 
Let's go to a third one. How do we get unstuck? Well, we apply what we learn. Okay, this goes back to not just receiving, but putting into practice. We have to apply what we've learned. What good is a can of paint when the paint remains in the can, right? Like you can have a vision all day long, oh, it's going to be gorgeous, we're going to change the way this wall looks, it's going to be fantastic, we bought the paint, I got the drop cords, I got the, I got the brand new brush, I paid extra for the trim one that's got the angle, you know, and, 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 and that's fantastic. But did any change actually happen? No, because you have to apply it for change to happen. So the same thing's true. How do you get unstuck? You gotta start applying what you know. You gotta start applying what you've learned. Again, going back to our passage in the message paraphrase. Look, milk is for beginners, inexperienced in God's ways, right? They're just, they're just starting out. Solid food, though, is for mature who have some practice in telling right from wrong. They have some practice in kind of working things through, working things out. Let's be honest. For most of us, and I say this because just we were born in a very, uh, with, again, I'm not going to use this in a negative way, but we were extremely privileged to be born in the Western church because the knowledge that we've been given, the connectivity that we have of the knowledge of not just morality, but the morality and the goodness that stems from God and that kind of judo, uh, Christian Judaic kind of upbringing that most of us got to experience, especially if you were raised in church. Most of us, our knowledge far exceeds our willingness to obey, right? It's not that you don't know. Let me just say it a different way. It's not that you haven't been told. It's not, <laughs> yeah, Dan, it's right. It's not that you haven't been told. It's not that you haven't read it. It's not that it hasn't been talked about. It's not that you didn't hear it. It's not that you, you, you don't know the right thing to do. You don't know what next step is to take. You don't know that in order to, to see God show up financially in your life, you've got to obey him financially in your life. You don't, it's not that you don't know that, that prayer creates this open line of communication between you and God, so you're like, well, I'm just waiting to hear from God, but you're not actually praying. It's not that you don't know. It's that for most of us, and I say this, including me, our knowledge far exceeds our willingness to obey. We've taken everything we've heard, know, and read, and we've turned it into suggestions, and we've turned it into, if I've got time, if it's convenient, if it fits my life. James, the brother of Jesus, said it this way, don't just listen to God's word. You must, read those four words out loud, you must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. One of the translations says you're deceiving yourself, right? Just fooling yourself. If you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like, right? Forget what you look like. Now, no one does this. Right? Nobody does this. And yet, that's what he's saying. Yeah, that's how ridiculous it is for you to hear from the Word of God, to receive from Him, and then just go on with your life and not do anything about it. He says, if you look, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, the mirror of God's Word, and you do what it says and you don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Now, I'm not one of these 
you know, name it and claim it, preachers, and God will bless you for this and that. But I, you know, I don't, I don't try to formulaic work out kind of scripture. But, but the reality is, I can't usually deny scriptures that are this clear, right? Okay, everybody wants God to bless them. Everybody wants the hashtag blessing, right? Everybody's praying for it. Everybody's asking for it. Everybody's desiring it. But you're just not doing what He's called you to do in order to receive it. Now don't again, don't put your idea of a blessing and you know and draw a direct line to okay, Matt said to pray and then I should get it. But the reality is in a scripture like this, he's like, if you're not applying what God said, you hold your you hold the, the perfect law up to your life, the book of the word of God, and it mirrors you, and you see yourself for who you really are. And you don't make changes and you don't do the things you know to do. To, to experience transformation, then why in the world would you expect God's blessing? When it's so clear. Now, James is, you know, he's very clear when James writes and teaches. Like, that's, that is just the way it works. You have to apply it. You have to apply what you've learned. Here's the, the last one. We're not easily influenced or deceived. And this is kind of, again, stated in such a way that to get unstuck, we've got to move in the direction of maturity, we just talked about, in a way in which we will not be easily influenced or deceived. Now, one of the easiest ways for us to deceive or be deceived is to deceive ourselves, like James just said. Yeah, that's one of the easiest ways for us to be deceived. But here's the reality. We also have an enemy of our souls. We also have an enemy, like a lion, who prowls around, seeking, as Jesus said, to steal, kill, and destroy. Right? Like we have an actual enemy who is out to deceive us. Actually, Satan is called the deceiver several times. It's classified there because, and let me just read this scripture, because I think, I think this brings this to light. That, that, that in terms of influence and deception, it can be really tricky. We're not going to be children. We're not going to be longer immature like children. We won't get tossed about, blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies that sound, or with lies that are so clever they sound like the truth. And this is important to me because I often tell people, listen, the... <laughs> The lies we believe, the lies that we fall for that will take deepest root almost always have a thread of truth in it. They almost have a thread of truth to it. And the enemy of your souls and the enemy of my soul will make us sort of laser stare at the thread of truth and we will buy the lie and we will believe the lie because of that thread of truth. And that's why I think even Paul's like, you got to be careful. You cannot be, you got to understand that you cannot be immature like children, just kind of tossed about as new teaching comes along. And again, this is the early church. They're, they're pretty, this is a pretty significant time of like, you can't just buy what everybody just kind of slaps Jesus' name to. It's not any different than our age. You have to know the word of God. You have to have convictions about why you believe what you believe. You have to know those things. And you have to work through it, growing in your faith, 
so that ultimately, guys, you can, you will be tested, you will be uh, influenced to be deceived, but you won't be easily deceived. You won't be easily influenced. This is Ecclesiastes, and I just wanted to put this out there because I love this verse. Again, in terms of just thinking about that sort of enemy attack, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. This is from that book of Wisdom and Folly where Solomon is sharing about the wisdom of what this means in terms of you really weren't meant to stand alone in this. And we know from the Word of God, we know from the early church, we know from example and Scripture that we were not called to live and work out sort of this faith alone. We weren't even meant to really grow alone, even though we are personally responsible. It's fueled by community. It's fueled by the one another's of Scripture. That's what we're called to. (laughs) And it says, look, two's great, (laughs) three's even better. And I'm, I'm definitely that, that optimist, you know, I'm a number seven Enneagram, like if, if, if more is better, just think about how much more more would be, right? If more is, is better, like let's, let's have more. Because for me, for me, I really do see the body of Christ in this like so many pieces and parts kind of way. That is, yes, it's hard to have that, you can't have that many close friendships, but you can start doing life with people. Sharing what God has done in your life, sharing what you have learned, sharing what you have seen, and experiencing and helping yourself get to a place where you're not standing alone. If it's, listen, I don't mean to be mean, but if it's like, if it's just you and like a nature trail and God, and that's sort of all you need, I'm just telling you, you will fall. You will fail because that is not how it was meant to be. It was created by God with a dependency on one another, on even these stages, leaning on one another and continuing to grow in faith. I want to end today with a, with a different ending. Um, it's called a benediction, okay? Many of you grew up in um, some churches that did this. Uh, great. Some of you don't, and I don't like doing things that are traditional without telling you kind of like why you do it and how you do it and why it's there, okay? So benediction is something that I'm going to kind of speak Scripture over. It's, it's part of what Scripture has done. Many, many times you'll read a benediction in Scripture, and it's part of even Paul, the way Paul oftentimes addressed things. And, and this is a good, probably, probably, probably a big part of our early church history, okay? Now, I, this is Paul's prayer for spiritual growth, because you even see it. It's a prayer for spiritual growth that he wants, to, he wants you to receive. And as a pastor of this church, as a pastor, as a part of the kingdom of God, it's my prayer. It's my prayer for you. It's my prayer for this church. It's my prayer for the people of God who are watching this later. I want you to receive this. Allow God to use it to begin to cultivate your heart. And then I want you to put some of these things into practice. Now, real quick, you can remain seated, which again, sometimes we, we don't do that, but 
to receive something. How would you receive something normally, right? Hands out. Hands out like this. You receive it. Oh, I, you got the UPS man coming? I know what you look like, okay? A box is coming you've been waiting on for two weeks? Yes. We receive like this, okay? That's part of hands open. God's going to give you something. This is coming from the Word of God. I want you to receive it, and then we're going to pray together, okay? Receive this from His Word. Paul says that when I think of all of this, the beautiful mystery of God, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and earth. And I pray that from His glorious unlimited resources that He will empower you with inner strength through the Spirit. Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him. Your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's children should, how wide and how long and how high and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete in all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able, through His mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. All glory to Him in the church, and in Jesus Christ through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let me just pray for us very quickly. God, we receive Your Word. Begin to cultivate that in us. Don't allow anyone here to be satisfied or complacent or content with just where they are, where they've sort of gotten to spiritually. Help us grow. Help us get unstuck by maybe taking some of these steps today to move in that direction and to move towards you. We pray all of this in your name, Jesus.